WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. was by far the Steelers' most complete game of the season, and that led to it being their best game of the season. It never felt like, even for a second, it never felt like the Steelers were in danger of losing. Boswell missed that extra point, Ben threw that bad pick at the end of the first half, and that left points on the field. But otherwise, the Steelers were in total control. And after the game, some people erroneously credited the game plan. Nah, it was about execution. For example, it wasn't about commitment to the run. We heard that the last couple weeks, that they weren't properly committed to the running game. No, it was about gaining yards on the ground so you could commit to the run. The Steelers overcame a multiple multiple of past sins uh, in yesterday's game. The Steelers didn't fall way behind early at home. First time in four games. That hasn't happened. The defense was solid. Guys like T.J. Watt suddenly reappeared. Special teams was good. You got that blocked punt. And yes, the Steelers did run the ball. James Conner was very good. Can we call that a turnaround game? Will Steeler fans remember that win at season's end? Well, for right now, I'd keep it in your pants. Because Atlanta is broken, especially on defense. And it is only one game. Especially as far as a lot of the positive stuff I just mentioned. But the Steelers are 2-2-1. And if they win at Cincinnati this coming Sunday, the Steelers are right back in it. Cincinnati is 4-1. The Bengals beat Miami. Baltimore is 3-2. Cleveland upset the Ravens yesterday. The Browns are 2-2-1. Tied with the Steelers. And that is your AFC North division up for grabs. If the Steelers beat Cleveland, they will be a half game behind. If, excuse me, Cincinnati, if they lose to the Bengals, they will be two and a half games behind. This is the Mark Madden Show. You like it, you love it, you want more of it. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter, at X. Uh, Juju scored that touchdown and did the celebration where he gave birth to a baby, gave birth to the ball. Now, I heard the baby demanded the ball right away, so it must be A.B.'s kid. Hey, what's one more baby mama? I've said repeatedly that James Conner isn't yet a number one running back, but Conner sure played like one yesterday. Uh, 20 carries for 110 yards. 
That's a 5.2-yard average. Scored a couple touchdowns. Made four catches for 75 yards. That's an 18.8-yard average. And he did pretty well in pass protect also. So, if you think James Conner is the number one running back, then the Steelers should trade Lev Bell, right? Or cut Lev Bell, right? The people I talked to after the game kind of backtracked when I proposed that. Yeah, Connor's for sure number one running back. Uh, wait, what? Did you say get rid of Bell? Well, I don't know about that. Here's my take on Connor. He was great yesterday. He was pretty good against Cleveland, but lost that fumble that lost the game. He was subpar Tampa, but we remember the two big runs in the fourth quarter that enabled the Steelers to kill the clock. And Connor sucked in the other two games. Those were against Baltimore and Kansas City. That performance does not yet translate to a number one running back because it doesn't translate to consistency. Connor may get there. He just hasn't yet. And don't make excuses for him like, oh, they barely ran the ball that game or the line couldn't run block this game. Because that's like saying it doesn't matter who the back is. That it's all game plan and offensive line. That it's all decided by extenuating circumstances. This Bengals game is huge. Especially with Cincinnati at 4-1. and one. Like I said, you win. You're 2-3-1. and one, You're two and a half games back. If you beat the Bengals, you're... 3-2-1 and one, and just a half game back. So, to me, it's a must-win game, or at least as must-win as a game could be in mid-October. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Matt Williamson, our football guru, at 3.30. Then we got Mike Lang, the Hall of Famer. He's everybody's hockey guru. He joins me at 4.30. Uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to give away a pair of tickets to the ex-Kick-Ass Christmas show. That's Saturday, December 1st at Stage AE. The headliner is the Struts, who I like a great deal. I saw them open for Motley Crue many times on the Crue's farewell tour. At least we thought it was a farewell tour. So stay tuned to call in and win, but don't do it now because you won't win. I, I got to get a Penguins note in. The Penguins lost 5-1 at home to Montreal on Saturday. Montreal isn't supposed to be very good. The Penguins committed a ton of turnovers. Poor puck management. Bad defense. Bad on the pinch. Matt Murray struggled. But who cares? It's October and I'm not bothered at all. The only worry is Matt Murray is off to a bad start. That doesn't mean he's a bad goalie, but I think he could have used a good start after all the ups and downs of last season, but I have a lot of faith in Murray, and it's only two games, and it's only October. Like Mike Sullivan said in his post-game media gathering, everybody just wants to score. Well, dating back to the Mario Lemieux era, that is just a Penguin tradition when the team is good, and it's early in the season. Uh, Chris Letang got a point on the Penguins' only goal Saturday. That put him ahead of Paul Coffey on the Penguins' all-time scoring leaders for defensemen. Latang is now number one. Going to have Paul Coffey on tomorrow. 
to talk about Chris Letang, and uh, those two definitely have a mutual admiration society. Uh, the next Penguins game is Vegas at Pittsburgh on Thursday. Heard a rumor. Marc-Andre Fleury won't be in goal for Vegas. That'll disappoint a lot of people, but uh, it's their goaltending rotation. They get to decide who plays and where. You do not. Gerard Gallant, the coach in Vegas, uh, he's barely put a foot wrong since taking that job, so he can't be faulted. History was made on Saturday night. His story. In his 10th career Major League playoff game, Andrew McCutcheon got an RBI. His first ever postseason RBI. No home run yet. But Kutch is already a great, an all-time great pirate, mostly because that's easy to do. But now, with this historic, historic, I say, this historic first RBI in the playoffs, no home run yet. But with this historic first RBI in the playoffs, did I mention no home run yet? With this historic first RBI in the playoffs for the New York Yankees, Kutch can join the pantheon of Yankee greats like Ruth, Gehrig, DiMaggio, Mantle, and now Andrew McCutcheon clear out space for another monument in center field. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Pit one, uh, that's nice. We're going to talk a lot about this Steeler game. One guy I got to heap praise on, Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden did a great job. The Steelers double-teamed Julio Jones, but Hayden was always in that mix. He did the grunt work. Excellent job by Joe Hayden, who is playing at a Pro Bowl level. We're going to talk about the combination of A.B. and Ben Roethlisberger as well. I'm not sure if A.B. and Ben had a good day or not, that that combination, the Wi-Fi combinating. A.B. had six catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Statistically, that is good. Most of it came in the second half. That's okay. That's okay. Maybe that can be the start, the catalyst, because Ben to A.B. needs to be hot right out the box at Cincinnati. I said a moment ago, I don't know if we'll remember what happened in this win against Atlanta when the season ends. I don't know how significant that's going to be. I do know this. You will remember the result of Pittsburgh at Cincinnati Sunday, October 1st. Excuse me, 14th. I guarantee that. We got Matt Williams at the bottom of the hour, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. What up, man? There's always been an unspoken dynamic. I am a lot smarter than you. Okay, so maybe it's a spoken dynamic. The X at 105.9. Double M onto X. Steelers with a big win yesterday. Rather a handy win, as I said in shows open. I never felt like the Steelers were in even remote danger of losing that game. Ben wound up playing a pretty good game. Uh, 19 out of 29, 250 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. 
He made that one bad throw for the one pick at the end of the first half. Tried to force it to A.B. in the end zone. Just extremely ill-advised, but he regrouped after that. Didn't need to throw 50 times because the Steelers took a lead in the first quarter for a change. Uh, The offense was balanced, and Ben played very well. As we talked about in shows open, A.B. had six catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns. A lot of that was later in the game, but, but that's okay. That put the game away, and hopefully it jump-started the Wi-Fi between those two combinating. Uh, ben and A.B. didn't talk at all on the sideline last week uh, when they were struggling. Uh, that was pointed out by many. But yesterday they talked frequently on the sideline. They were all smiles. Heck, A.B. and Ben did everything but make out on the sideline when the offense wasn't on the field, and make no mistake whatsoever. That was choreographed for your viewing pleasure. A.B. had, uh, was it four or five? I thought I saw five kids at the press conference yesterday. I thought he had only four. Well, four in the one Juju gave birth to after Juju's touchdown. I hope that kid that Juju gave birth to I hope he grows up to be a linebacker, and quick, too. The Steelers need one. Boy, did you see A.B. at the post-game news conference? He was all smiles. All smiles. A.B. loves him some media when he plays good, and they can do him some good. But when he skips a meeting and has to answer for it, it's you guys hate me, you guys want to see me fail. Sorry, but the guys just... A dink. But when things go good, ain't nobody making anything up then. The Steeler defense was much better. Got results anyway. Six sacks, one forced fumble, and that went for touchdown by LJ Fort. And Julio Jones had zero catches in the first half. Uh, Joe Hayden was brilliant there. Uh, It was double coverage on Julio, uh, no doubt, but Hayden was involved all the time, frequently in the mix. He did the heavy lifting. It was a good win and a necessary win. But I hate to get too excited. you got to be glad they win. I'm sure you are. But when you play a 1-3 and team at home, you should win. And, yeah, I know Atlanta's supposed to be better than that, but they were ravaged by injury, and it showed on defense, certainly. Then again, I didn't think the Steelers would win yesterday. So maybe we should get really excited. Uh, I'm now 4-1 and one picking against the spread this year. I thought Atlanta would cover. They did not. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, oh, the defense did one of those group portrait poses after that defensive touchdown by LJ Fort. Now you may recall, I made fun of Indianapolis when their defense got a turnover and did the same thing, a a, a group portrait pose. But that's because they were down by 14 in the third quarter to England and eventually lost that game. Uh, I thought the, the group portrait pose by the Steelers yesterday, that's fine. That's the time to do it. Big play, you're way ahead. Yeah, have some fun. Winning is fun. And that's when you have more fun, when you're winning and something like that happens. Of course, Juju jumped into the photo with the defense because, well, he just had to. I believe Fortnite contractually obligates him. 
I mean, what if Juju hadn't? What if he hadn't jumped into the group portrait with the defense? What an indictment of him personally that would have been so Juju posed and it was lit. In fact, it was lit AF. Up next, going to talk football with our football guru, Matt Williamson. I haven't mentioned yet, James Conner now shares a record, kind of. It's kind of a record with Jim Brown. Did we really need for that comparison to be drawn, however frickin' convoluted and remote? We'll talk about that at 4 o'clock. We'll talk to Matt Williamson next, 105.9. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, huge fan, love the show. Because that's what you got to do. Hey, Mark, big fan and all that. I, 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 I think you're on to something. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, you can hear his work on Steelers Nation Radio. You can read it at ClaytonFootball.com. He's our football guru, former pro and college scout, Matt Williamson. Matt, was that the most complete 60 minutes the Steelers have played all year? I guess the result kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, no question about it. I, I don't even think it's a conversation, to be honest with you. I mean, amazingly in this game, the only quarter where they were kind of suspect, especially on offense, was the second, which has been really the only quarter they've been good all year. And that's the quarter that's probably least important. So, Absolutely, and maybe even going back to last year quite a ways. I mean, the most complete game we've seen in a while. Well, it, it, let's stay with that because it seemed like a simple formula. First off, you get a lead in the first quarter at home for a change. You could almost hear Heinz Field breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah, right. I mean, absolutely. It's the first time. I don't know, it's, 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 at least you're not playing from behind and making the game script You know, change the way you want to attack the game. Um, absolutely didn't get penalized and always behind in the sticks. All those sort of things uh, really went in their favor as opposed to you know going poorly off the bat. And I do think the defense they played had something to do with that too, but they took the smart approach and they buried them. Well, let's stay with the D now because I thought the D was very solid, not spectacular, but solid. And where'd T.J. Watt come from? He reappeared. He had three sacks in week one, three yesterday. It doesn't seem like he should lead the league in sacks, but right now he does. Yeah, I mean, he seems to get them in bunches. He finds a guy that he beats up on and keeps it, keeps beating up on him. That's, there's no doubt about that. From the start, I always thought he was the guy that was most likely to take a big step forward and be a potential Pro Bowl player. He hasn't been to that degree because he hasn't had the, the consistency, but it was very, very promising. I mean, that right tackle he played against Schrader is a pretty good player, that's for sure. Um, that was a very promising. And there was a couple of those guys. You know, Edmonds came off a bad game and stepped up and played quite well. Hayden, Fallen, Julio all the way around, I thought was the story of the defense. And really the, the front, including TJ and Bud, that if, if they win up front with Cam and Tuart and those guys, the defense should be good enough. You know, I mean, and that's not asking a lot because those are good players. Uh, what about Hayward and Tuart, uh, specifically because they had not looked great uh, in the first four weeks, and it struck me very odd that Carl Dunbar, the new defensive line coach, was resting them for 25% of the defensive line snaps. It's not something I would do, that's for sure. Now, and in the past, I felt like they played too many snaps, though, and I do think Alou Alou held up pretty well last yesterday, and I think he's a valuable member. 
they like the colors, and I kind of see why. I think he's a, a light bulb kind of gone on, and maybe the new D-line coach has helped with that. So I think that there's five guys that they trust. And, you know, in the past, a guy like Walton used to play, and now he's, you know, just the, the sixth man out and really to no fault of himself. it I didn't think Tewitt played great. I mean, better. He's capable of more. And if I, if I had to look at one guy on this defense to say, you know, the, the, the most instrumental might be him because if he fulfills his development, look out. If he can just be a little more consistent, that could go a long way. I mean, Cam I never worried about. He definitely had some down games the last couple of weeks, but he looked great yesterday. Uh, they were missing Vince Williams. The, I believe that's the first game he's missed due to injury during his Steelers tenure. But I thought they got decent play at linebacker. Maybe not scintillating, Matt, but great and uh, but but good. And if they get good at that spot, that's going to go a long way, won't it? Yeah, right. I mean, I'll take average. If you can give me average for every week going forward, I'll take it. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I've said many times that, to me, Matikiewicz should never be on the field on defense, and he didn't look bad. I mean, so, great. I mean, that doesn't mean I'd keep trotting him out there. Fort is a little more inconsistent, but he's the better athlete, and he, I think he's an upgrade over Williams athletically for sure, too. And that showed up with some big playability. I would be interested in seeing a little bit more of him. I mean, he's been around long enough now. He should know what he's doing. And Williams, that's not a knock on Williams. I mean, I don't think we should look at it like, boy, the first games Williams missed is the most consistent the defense looks. But I also think it's noteworthy that he was the guy with the headset and all that stuff in his helmet and the play caller, and we saw no breakdowns today. Now, you mentioned that the Steelers' defense did a number on Julio Jones, which was quite impressive. Uh, no catches in the first half. Was it mostly Joe Hayden? What what was the were the tactics used there to contain Julio Jones? I know they doubled him a lot, but it seemed Hayden was always in the mix. Yeah, and I'm really excited to watch the the coaches tape. But talking to people that were at the game in the press box, and from what I saw, and little birdie told us some things going into that. They actually flat out shadowed. Holy rarely do. Usually, it's their corners are left and right, and. Hayden even followed him into the slot, which is something shadow corners rarely do. He got a lot of help, I mean, but it obviously worked. I think it's something to really keep an eye on going forward. I mean, next week they got A.J. Green. I bet they stick with it. Uh, yeah, that would certainly seem logical. And, again, hats off to Hayden because I think a lot yeah. of people, Matt, myself included, maybe you too, thought he was a bit long in the tooth to pursue duty like that. Yeah, me too. And, of course, he is getting a lot of help. But he's very knowledgeable. He's very technically sound. And those are aspects of cornerback play that get overlooked sometimes. You know, he, he's kind of a, a savvy veteran at this point. He also played against Julio quite a bit in the SEC. You know, he's used to A.J. Green from the division. So there's some familiarity there, too. Uh, should we take all this with a grain of salt, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because Atlanta's struggling? No, I'm encouraged with the defense because I thought that was one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, they didn't play their best. Ryan didn't play their his best. But I thought they won at the line of scrimmage. I thought they covered great receivers quite well. No breakdowns that I really saw stand out. That was huge. Tackled a little bit better. And kind of like you said, I mean, this defense is never going to be a top 10 group. But if they play like they did at the line of scrimmage, I think the defense is good enough. The offense is really impressive to me, but I take the offense a little bit with a grain of salt. I mean, with considering the the massive hits they've taken on defense, the Falcons 
are absolutely in the contention for worst defense in the league. We're talking to our football guru, Matt Williamson, here on 105.9 The X. Matt, how good was James Conner? And is he good enough that the Steelers don't need Lev Bell to come back? Uh, he was very good. And again, I thought he exploited a really, really weak defensive front. And even when the Falcons are at their best, their defense is built for speed. It's, they don't have the nose tackle type defensive tackles. And they, and their best speed guys are all gone and best athletes are all gone. That doesn't take anything away from them. I mean, he made a lot of yardage on himself. He ran hard. He's clearly improved a lot. I just think the thing that Connor can never do that Bell does is the way a defense has to prepare all week for the Steelers is way, way more taxing when 26 is out there. And even though Connor's a better route runner than we thought he would be and a better receiver than I thought he would be, Bell is special in that area, you know, where you can split him out against a corner and run receiver routes. And that's a really hard thing to defend. I did like the commitment to the run. And Connor ran with power. He broke a bunch of tackles, Matt. But what comes first, commitment to the run or execution of the run? It's a good question. And I think they go hand in hand. I'm not avoiding the subject. But when it's not working, if, you, if you're able to stick with it, it usually eventually does open up. You know, you pound the rock, you pound the rock until it breaks. And so I hear you. I mean, I, that's, I don't have that answer. I, I really don't. I mean, it's certainly nice when the execution comes early like it did in this game and you never feel like you have to play left-handed and, you know, defense has to honor both run and pass. So it certainly plays off one another. Um, but this line, to me, is better in protection than they are in the run game. But they were pretty darn good in the run game yesterday. Ben and A.B. hooked up better. Uh, it, it took them half the game. I thought they had a real strong last 30 minutes. But but that's definitely a step in the right direction because that's one thing. If it don't work, it can't be replaced. Right. And I wrote a pretty detailed article about this last night on Clayton Football and I feel like many people have been talking all year about the disconnect or, quote, not being on the same page. And when I watch it, especially on coaches' tape, it was pretty obvious to me that the wide receiver is just fine and maybe better than ever, which is really frightening. And for whatever reason, seven misses him way more than he misses anybody else. And I don't understand it. I think it's just coincidence. And we saw it in the first half of this game, and it was mind-boggling. I mean, it's been going on all year where Brown, to me, should be more frustrated than he was early in the year because he looks phenomenal and the ball wasn't getting to him. I do think it's highly encouraging the way they ended this second, you know, played the second half, like you said. And if you look at Ben's numbers, his September numbers are way worse than any other month of the year. And so he is a slow starter, and... I mean, we saw this last year. It was about halfway through that Colts game where Ben stepped up in a big way. So I think there's signs to say that that disconnect won't continue because, I mean, they've proven to be lethal over the years. Cincinnati's 4-1. and one. Uh, The Bengals' next opponent. Are you sold on the Bengals? Why or why not? I actually picked them the other wild card before the season started with the Steelers winning the division. So... I am encouraged. I think they have a lot of young talent. Their defense has been a little overmanned this year, and I didn't see that coming. I thought the young defense would be one of the top five, six, seven, eight defenses in the league, and they got perfect back yesterday. That helped. But they got a lot of weapons. You know, 
some they have some injuries there, but Mixon's a foundation player. AJ Green's as good as ever, and Dalton's shown that if you support him with those kind of guys, they're hard to play against. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a top ten team in the league. That Bengals D isn't very good, at least statistically, and the offense is middle of the pack statistically right now. How are they getting it done? They're, they're number seventeen. Uh, offense number uh, 13 defense. How, how are they doing it? Yeah, I mean, they, they've won some close ones. I mean, the, the Atlanta game two weeks ago was you know, back and forth until the very end. Yesterday, they, they, they were they getting outplayed by the Dolphins, and they scored two defensive touchdowns in the, in, late in the game to win it. So they've kind of, it's not smoke and mirrors because I do think they are talented, and I think they are much better when Mixon is there like he was yesterday. But it's a good point. I mean, their strengths are not massive, but they're, they don't have glaring weaknesses either. Well, what are their strengths? Some pure talent, some pure playmakers, Mixon, Green. Um, the line isn't terrible now, which goes a long way from last year. An interesting note on them from last year is their line was so bad, they played by far the fewest offensive snaps in the league. Like, they were just never on the field. And you looked at it like, boy, it's a bad offense. And it was, but now they're sustaining offense. They're getting first downs. They're, you know, they're not killing themselves like they used to. And I look at the defense. I think they got pass rushers. I think Geno Atkins is absolutely as good as ever. Uh, William Jackson's one of the young corners in the league that I'm super high on as well. So they got playmakers. I mean, it, it's a good group. For them to beat the Steelers, what has to happen? Because I look at both teams, and I still think the Steelers are probably better. That's a tough call. I mean, I was in Cincinnati. I mean, Steelers are so inconsistent. I don't know that I can believe in them after one really, really impressive day because the Bengals have been the better overall, in my opinion, this year. I wonder what the line is. I'm sitting here thinking, I haven't given them the game a ton of thought yet, but I'm sitting here thinking, you know, who, what does the general public think is the better team? You know, the Steelers have pretty much owned them over the years. The intangibles and those type of things, I think, favors Pittsburgh. I don't have a great answer for that either. I mean, their pass rushers worry me. If they if they get you know Ben off his mark and he starts making more bad decisions, and he's made a lot of them this year, I think the game can get ugly. Um, if they can't keep up with an A.J. Green and a Mixon, they're in for a long day defensively. But they just proved that they can hang with just as good a weapon, if not better, yesterday. You know who worries me, and I think this is pretty obvious, Matt, is, is Vontez Burfecht, who is now back from suspension. He played yesterday. He really does intentionally try to hurt the Steelers' good players, and he's been pretty successful at it, hasn't he? He has. I mean, honestly, I mean, I've been doing this professionally for 15 years or so as a media person and another five years with teams. I don't remember any defensive player, even when you were allowed to basically take cheap shots, what they call today, play as dirty as him. I mean, I think he's the dirtiest player I ever saw. And I didn't watch, I mean, I was seven when Jack Tatum played and guys like that. But, and the Steelers. Well, well I, I wasn't, like Matt, and take my yeah. word for it. Vontez Perfect is dirtier than Jack Tatum. Yeah. I mean, he, I feel like he tries to injure people and maybe even takes it up a notch against the Steelers, like you said. I mean, it, it's bizarre. Yeah, because the one thing you don't want to see happen is the Steelers go to Cincinnati, win, and come out of there with A.B. out for the year, or, or James Conner badly hurt, or Ben. For sure, or many others. And, yeah, I 100% agree. 
It is nice to have a bye after that game, though. Probably comes at a good time. <laughs> Matt, great stuff as always. Uh, I'm enjoying your work on ClaytonFootball.com. Thanks again. Absolutely, Mark. We'll see you soon. That's Matt Williamson. Joins us every week to talk football. We have Mike Lang joining me at 4.30 to talk Penguins hockey. And uh, just around the corner, we're going to talk about uh, my trip to a high school football game on Friday night. Lots of fun at Mount Lebanon Stadium. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark Madden. Yes. Your voice is like sweet nectar to my ears. The last thing we need is a lot of loose talk. Hmm? Hmm? I like it. I like it. The X at 105.9. Here's a quote from Bud Dupree, courtesy of Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com, regarding the rivalry and dirty nature of games played between the Steelers and Bengals. Quote, a lot of guys probably can't get penalties this game because of the animosity there is between these two teams. Don't be the instigator. Just go out and play with your head above water, unquote. That's very solid advice from Bud Dupree. Uh, Let's not forget the last time these two teams met in the playoffs. Cincinnati had the game won and literally gave it away due to an extreme case of stupidity. And the Bengals have been stupid. Boy, there's more examples than I can cite. And especially when it comes to their rivalry with the Steelers. No Quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. TJ Watt and John Bostick got flagged yesterday for roughing the passer. They were kind of ticky-tack. But that's how they're going to college, so get used to it. They're going to protect the quarterbacks, period. I like when talk show callers complain about, it's not a man's game anymore. Yeah, because you're real men, right? There aren't many real men in Pittsburgh. Ask the women. They know. You're lucky to be listening to a real man right now. But if you're some minimum wage curtain jerker, don't project your real man fantasies onto a multi-million dollar industry that knows what it's doing. Well, that mostly knows what it's doing. Okay, sometimes. Uh, T.J. Watt has six sacks, and he's tied for the NFL lead. But it doesn't seem like he should be because he had three sacks week one, three sacks yesterday, none in between. Uh, Am I right? He has six, but he has none in weeks two, three, and four. Okay, you you can't discount the numbers. He leads the league, but maybe there should be an asterisk. I went to the Upper St. Clair High School football game at Mount Lebanon Friday night, an old rivalry. I used to cover high school football for the Post-Gazette way back when. It is the purest, most enjoyable form of football there is. It was a good game, 7-7 after three quarters, but Upper St. Clair scored three times in the fourth quarter and won uh, 28-7. It was good to see Jim Render after. He's the coach at Upper St. Clair. He's an all-time great. Got a good team again this year. The defense was excellent. And this Antonio Orsini at running back had a good second half. He ran downhill when the game was on the line. I talked to the quarterback, Jason Sweeney. He had a good game. So I had a lot of fun. And to make it even better, I sat next to Bob Junko and his wife, the pit coaching legend. His boys all played for Upper St. Clair, and one of them, Mike Junko, is an assistant coach now, so I had a great time, and thanks to everybody who helped make it so. Most of all, the kids who played the game. It was a very entertaining high school football game. I'm Mark Madden.
Who's better? James Conner right now or Jim Brown in 1963? That question is kind of being asked, but not by me. I'm going to answer it, though. That's 30 seconds away on 105.9 The X.